Brothers and sisters, today is Back to Church Sunday, a day that we meditate on the goodness of being together and the joy that we have when we come together in God's presence, around His Word, around His promises, and in Christian community. Uh, several years ago, I got a phone call out of the blue on a Saturday, uh, actually a Friday, uh, Friday afternoon. It was an old friend from high school. He says, hey, I'm in town this weekend on business. Can I come on by? I said, of course. I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen my friend Brandon for, for years. We had both missed our 10-year high school anniversary celebration uh, back at our high school. And so I, we had a, a high school reunion right there on the back porch that Friday night. And we talked for hours and hours and hours. Maybe you've had this happen before with an old friend. You just get talking and you lose track of time. We talked about our old football days. We talked about... Um, um, uh, the stupid things we did, I mean he did, like busting my tennis racket sophomore year out of frustration, still owes me. We talked about where our friends are at, how they got there, where he was at, where I was at, and how I got here. And way, way late into the night, he finally says, I gotta go. And I say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. It was nice seeing you, Brandon. And on his way out the door, he turns and he says, Oh, and by the way, I have tickets to tomorrow night's Longhorns game. <laughs> you want to go? Six rows up. And I said, What? Why didn't you tell me this when we were talking on the back porch? You had these great tickets. Six rows up, a nationally televised game against a team that played last night and won. Wow, I said. Yeah, I want to go, of course. Why didn't you ask me sooner? And he had a big smile on his face, too. He was holding the surprise to the end. Have you ever had an invitation that you just couldn't turn down? Maybe, maybe you're a six-year-old that gets invited by your t-ball friends to Chuck E. Cheese for a birthday party. Of course we're going, Mom! Or maybe you're the sophomore girl in high school that gets asked to the prom by that cute basketball player on varsity. Of course, and you get all excited about it. It's a no-brainer. That's the way that David talks about going to worship. And he says this in Psalm 122. He says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And he gets this excitement about worship that pulls him. It's not something that he has to think about. It's not something that he has to deliberate about, but it's that no-brain decision that you make when you have an invitation that you cannot turn down. And now I have to ask you, do you get that feeling Honestly, every Sunday when it's time for church, even this pastor has to put his hand down because we're human. And we've had different experiences growing up about a Sunday morning or about that day that we worship. Maybe Sunday mornings for you growing up was just another day, another day of the week. Or maybe it was one of those days that was a rat race uh, uh, to, to, to get to church. Or maybe it was uh, one of those days that you, you thought would be good, but all of a sudden it's turned into the worst day of the week because it, it was that day that you had reserved for your family and to do family time, but then you ended up doing stuff like chores during Sundays. Or maybe, maybe you were one of those families that were crawling all over each other on Sunday mornings to, to, to fight for the bathroom. And to, to, to fight for the cereal in the kitchen. And there was spilt milk all over the place. And then you get into the car and you're all arguing with each other until you, until you pull into church. And then miraculously everybody's healed and is a perfect saint when they step outside of the car door. 
Maybe you've had any number of these kind of Sunday mornings. However, God does not make Sunday mornings for that. And he doesn't make times of worship to be hectic and to be boring. He makes it to bless you. Jesus said this about the day that they worshiped the Sabbath. He says in Mark, he says, The Sabbath was, the, that man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. Today we live at a breakneck speed of life, don't we? The pace of life today is faster than it's ever been. And if I were to come to you a hundred years ago, and if I were to tell you, that you could talk to your friends instantly over a message and that you could get work done while you're waiting at the, at the train station or you're waiting at the airport a hundred years ago. I could tell you that, that you could get more work done than ever by sending off an email with Wi-Fi. You'd be amazed back then, wouldn't you? And you'd say, wow, look at all this free time that I would have. Look at all this time that I'd have for families. Look at all this time that I'd have to do the things that really matter in life because of all these advances in technology. But do you know what the truth is? Today, people are more connected over the internet and over texting than ever before. But you know what? Loneliness and depression is on an all-time high. And people today are feeling less connected to each other and less connected to God. But you know what God proposes? He proposes that we take one day, one day a week, to put the computer aside, to put the cell phone down, to meditate and to worship him so that we can regain our humanity, (laughs) so we can regain a spiritual and emotional connection to him. He took six days to create the world, and then he took an entire day off, as busy as he was keeping the world together, to rest. And so he has something to say to us. And that's what David gets lit up about. This king that's busy says, I can't wait to go to this place that I can find rest and peace and eternity. And I can find a place with God where I can refresh my soul. And that's why he says, I can't wait to go to the house of the Lord. And there's more to that. If you want to realize what's so exciting about going to a a place of worship or a place where we go around God's word and meditate on his promises, David gets into it more as uh, he talks. God made Sundays for you. And then verse 2, our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. To realize what he's talking about here, just, just think about the background to these verses. A little history. Jerusalem was the economic, the spiritual, the, the, um, the, the, the hub for life in Israel when David wrote this. It was that city that uh, perhaps many years before Abraham had brought his son to the, the hill near there and had, had almost sacrificed his son out of an act of faith to God. It was around that area and at Jerusalem that David captured this little city called Jabus and he turned it into this economic powerhouse, this military powerhouse, a crossroads of the known world back then. It was the Jewish national place of worship where God put his presence in the tabernacle and later in the temple. And three times a year, people from all over the land that believed in the Jewish God, the Lord God, would come to Jerusalem to worship for back-to-Jerusalem celebrations. Three times a year, they would go back and they would refresh 
and get their batteries recharged. They would put their work aside, and they would all worship together in a close-knit community at three different feasts throughout the year. They would take a week or two off. The story about Jerusalem gets more interesting when you fast forward 200 years after David wrote this psalm. All of that celebration and the temple that was there, it all got taken away when Babylonians came in and captured the Jewish people and destroyed the city. They carried off families, and they carried off the things from the temple, and they destroyed it all, and and the peace that they once enjoyed when they came to that temple was gone. And they realized this when they were in captivity, that you don't realize what you have until you lose it. They lost the peace. They lost the security. They lost their national heritage, their gem, the city of David. It was gone. But here's where God came in and he says, I want to give you your community back. He rescued them when they repented and he brought them back into their city. They restored the temple and guess what? There was worship again three times a year at Back to Jerusalem celebrations. God desires for his people to have rest and he's going to do whatever it takes to give them the rest that they need. In other words, God wants to give you back joyful community in this breakneck pace of life that we have in the 21st century. He wants to give you that peace that those people had when they stepped into the city. And after years of being in captivity, they said, our feet, and they would sing this psalm. This was called the Psalm of Ascents that the the people would take, an ancient psalm that David wrote, and they would sing it as they were coming into Jerusalem for these big back to Jerusalem celebrations. And they would sing, our feet are standing in your gates again. I have peace. I have a home again. Who's looking for a place to call home? Who's looking for security today? It's the people who have been in the Babylonian captivity, isn't it? It's the fathers and husbands who are and aren't the dads and the husbands that they have been called to be in their home, and they feel guilty about it again and again. They're ashamed of what they are and aren't in their family. The the, the people that are looking for security in a home are the people like the moms that are running around to soccer practices at a breakneck speed that can't find any, any traction in life because they're so busy they can't even meditate on their true God. It's the single person or the widow that has lost their loved one that's looking for a community and identity. It's that friend of the single person who's struggling with homosexuality. It's the people that are struggling with sin, that are looking for a place to call home, a place to call the walls of Jerusalem, the the, the gates of Jerusalem, the place where these people would come and they would sing this song of praise, I'm standing at home. We're all looking for a home. We're all looking for a community. It says... Jerusalem is built, verse 3, like a city that is closely compacted together. You see, when these people would go back to Jerusalem for back to Jerusalem celebrations, as they came in, they'd be singing these psalms, and, and the community that was there, it was, sure, the buildings were close together. There was a, the, the Jerusalem is stacked on top, of it, on top of itself, even today. But when people would come back to Jerusalem, they would realize what a close-knit relationships that they would have. They would come back singing these psalms, and they would shout out, Something like, this is the day the Lord has made, and the person would respond back to them, let us rejoice and be glad in it. They would do this as they entered the city, and they immediately felt at home. 
in this city. Whenever they had a need like food or lodging, they made sure in the city that that person was taken care of. Today is an invitation to come and be part of and be active in a close-knit community that comes together around God's Word on Sunday mornings, but then throughout the week at small group Bible studies to sit around a table, to sit around a coffee shop, to sit in a living room, and to share life with each other. To share each other's needs. Because guess what? We're a close-knit community, and if you're the dad that feels like you've let your family down, there's other dads out there too that are looking for the promises of forgiveness and redemption. And if you're the mom that's running around from place to place, picking kids up from school, and you feel like you have no traction in life, there's other moms out there too. And there's other solutions from other people, and it comes from God's Word, sharing, with it, sharing it with each other in a close-knit community. God wants to give our sanity back. He wants to give you rest. Verse 4. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There were 12 tribes in Israel, and they would all come together at the same time and at the same place to worship. Today's invitation for your tribe, it's not just the Jewish tribe anymore, but today it's all people of all nations, Hispanic, Asian, black, white, you name it, to come together in a close-knit community to praise God for the statutes or the promises that he's made for you. The promises that you're accepted, that you're forgiven, and that he gives you a life of, that goes into eternity so that you can live with joy today. That's why they would go up and they would praise God. And that's what we do in worship. We come to worship to praise God for how great he is and how great he is to forgive us of all of our sins. There, verse 5, stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. This is the middle verse of a psalm. And in the middle verse of many ancient writings, we find the most important thought. Look at it carefully. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. People come to worship to experience God's R and R. And you see it right here in middle of this psalm in verse 5, the highlight of this psalm. First of all, they came to experience God's R, his righteousness. You see, when people came into Jerusalem, they, they, would, they were entering into this city where God had this tabernacle or this temple that was set up where he put his presence on earth. And here's the thing about God and his presence. God is holy. And he even says one time in Exodus 33, no one can see God and live because he is so holy. And, and, and another illustration of this is that not even the holiest of the holy person, not even the high priest, save one time a year, could enter into that place where God's holiness resided. And if he would go in there unauthorized, he would die. It was a commentary about our condition with our holy God. We cannot go before God. No one can go before God and live because we're broken and he's holy. He's perfect. He has never had a lustful thought. He has never been vengeful. He has never been unforgiving. He's been all those things and we are not that. And we can't live in a community with him and be at peace with God or anybody else because we're broken. We come to worship to realize that when we do the confession of sins, when we walk in. We come to realize that when we open up God's word and we see what he has to say about our life, our lifestyle, who we are and who we aren't. But people would also come to worship at the temple because something else happened. There was redemption. They experienced God's 
forgiveness. Once a year, that priest would go into the holy, holiest of holy place, and he would sprinkle blood on that holy place where God's presence resided, and it forgave all the sins of all the people. When you and I come in to church, and we think about the week that we had, and we think about all the, the, the baggage that we bring to God, God says, leave it right there because I have a plan to forgive you. And that's what it says in verse 5. There in Jerusalem stand the thrones of the house of David. David's not here today. David's gone. He's passed away. His throne is gone. In fact, there is no more throne of David in Israel anymore. It's passed. It's gone. However, before David died, a prophet came to him. His name was Nathan. And he said, David, I have a promise for you. I promise you from God on his word that your throne is going to go on forever and ever and ever and never end. Now, today we don't have David's throne, but here's this promise from Nathan that his throne will go on forever and ever and ever. That promise was fulfilled when David had a son who had a son who had a son, who had many sons until a son was born to him, a great-great-great-grandson named Jesus of Nazareth. And this is his historical account that's written down in the Bible. This is what our community comes together to hear. This is what drives us, what, what gives us the, 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 the purpose for our community is that we have a God who's holy, who came to us, born as a man, who lived the life that you and I live in every way. He slept, he ate, he drank, he grew tired, he, he, he partied, he went to funerals, he mourned, he rejoiced, he was everything that you and I were, are, except one thing is that he never sinned, not once. And although he never sinned, ever, and was perfect in every way, he was put to death like a criminal on a cross. Now, that's not fair, and that's the purpose. It's not supposed to be fair. God came down to us to live our life for you and then to die in your place so that you have peace with God. And the throne of David, his rule of forgiveness, God's rule of forgiveness, of righteousness, can be part of you in your heart and part of a community that practices that forgiveness, that righteousness. And then later on in the Bible, in fact, the very last book of the Bible in Revelation, it talks about that Jerusalem and about that Jerusalem that's promised to you and to me. Because it's the throne of David and his, his city that it's talking about, but it's not talking about the physical city. It's in Revelation 21, and it says, Then I saw a new heaven, and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, this is what we're talking about in Psalm 122, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things is passed away. That's what we're talking about when we, when we say, let's go to the house of the Lord. We're looking at the place that practices and lives out this new Jerusalem in our hearts. That's why David goes on and he says, 
after verse 5, verse 6, he says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. In our community, we pray. We pray for people like, we pray for people like Peggy Connor, who lost her husband last night. And we go back to that verse in Revelation and we say to her or to any loved ones that have lost their loved ones, we put our arms around them and we say, there is a gate of Jerusalem and there is a new Jerusalem and your husband is there and God has wiped away every tear from his eye. That's what our community is all about. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the peace that was given to every person in this community, the peace that God tells us to share with each other. That's the peace. That's why we come to church. That's why we get lit up about Back to Church Sundays. He goes on, May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Citadels are a place of security in a city, but it's also a place where national treasures are, like the Kremlin or, or, the, or, the, or the London Tower. We have gold here. And this isn't the gold that we can give away to people to buy food. We try to do that when we can. We're a community that cares for people, but we're a community that cares enough for people to give them the truth from the Word of God. We aren't a perfect community, but we're a community that has God's presence among us when he gives us these promises in his word that your sins are forgiven in your baptism and that you have this supper, the Lord's Supper, where he gives you his body and his blood to be with you. God's dwelling is among people. That's why we get lit up about Sundays. For the sake of my family and friends, verse 8, I will say, peace be within you. In other words, David's vision for going to this house of the Lord is to find peace during a pace of life that seems like it's uncontrollable. That's why at Holy Word, our vision is to be a Christian community doing life together under the grace and peace of God. Because we can only get that peace when we're around his word together. Verse 9. For the sake of the house of the Lord, your, our God, I will seek your prosperity. God has sought David's prosperity. He gives him eternal life. He's taken from this earth, but he's with him forever in heaven. And David just loves going to the house of God because he's in love with God, the God that loved him first. And so he wants to do and apply himself in whatever way he can. At the end of his life, he even wanted to build that temple for God. He got excited about putting bricks together. God, in a community that we live in, is asking you to seek the prosperity, not of building a church or, or numerical numbers or growth or anything like that or, or putting up a nice sign or making the, the property really beautiful. That's part of it. But he wants you to seek the prosperity of the gospel ministry that he has put in and among us here. And that takes everybody's effort all at once in whatever way that we can give to make his gospel go out into the world. And that's exciting. And that's what makes me want to say, let's go to the house of the Lord. I don't know where your Sundays have been in the past or what kind of experiences that you've had with them. But here's an invitation. God invites you to come to a place once a week. And maybe you come because the music's really great or maybe you come because of 
the person speaking in front, or maybe you come because of the fellowship, or maybe you come just because you want a place to feel like you belong, but God wants you to come because he wants to give you his peace and his redemption again and again. So share that with each other. Let's go get some R&R. Amen.